This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in West Virginia discussing a murder that was solved using CCTV footage. Then, we'll talk about a woman who disappeared in the early 90s. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Mountain State. In May of 2019, Riley Crossman was a 15-year-old Berkeley Springs High School student. Riley was a typical teen. She had a boyfriend named Hayden and a best friend named Jasmine, whom she went to school with. She was born on December 22nd, 2003, and her parents were divorced. She was the oldest of four siblings, one sister and two younger brothers. She was an artist, a talented dancer, and had the voice of an angel. Riley lived with her mom and her mom's boyfriend, Andy McCauley. So on May 7th, 2019, Riley gets home from school around 3.30. She sees her mom taking a nap on the couch. Her mother, Chantel, worked two jobs trying to make ends meet. And her mom wasn't feeling good that day, so she took a little nappy on the couch. I know how she feels. I think that's all I've been doing for the past five days. (laughs) She left early from her first job to go home and get a little rest before she went to her second one. So that night, mom goes to work. Riley spends the evening with her grandma. And then goes in her room and stays there, like typical teenager. So when Chantel gets home from work around 10, Riley's door is closed and she goes straight to bed. She's tired. She feels like shit. She's worked two jobs. And she assumes her teenager is busy doing teenager things. So on May the 8th, Riley's mom wakes up, goes to her daughter's bedroom, but it was empty. She assumes Riley had walk to school. It wasn't unusual for her to leave early for school so she could hang out with her friends and her boyfriend before classes start. But later in the day, the school sends her mother a message saying that Riley was absent. She calls and texts Riley's phone. They all go unanswered. She calls her friends. They check her Snapchat, all the socials, but there's nothing Her mom calls the police department and files a missing persons report and an extensive search to locate the missing teenager begins. So they bring search dogs in to check the woods behind her house. The Morgan County Police Department tries to ping her cell phone, but at this point, the phone is dead, so it's not picking up on anything. On May the 9th, they come to the house and they search. They look through Riley's room and it's very messy. The sheets and blankets are all off the bed. There's clothes piled up. There are traces of blood and saliva on her comforter and pillow. So they send that off to be tested. Her glasses and backpack were also there. So she hadn't run away. Yeah, not good. So they interview all the people close to her like they always do Mm -hmm. when someone's missing. They interview the boyfriend and he says kids were in bed by nine the night before she went missing. He said he left around 4 a.m. to go to work. The police are trying to piece together a timeline, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out when the last time someone saw her, when she was reported missing, where were you, where were you? 
his coworkers are also questioned, and they said that the day that she had was reported missing, they picked him up. They pick him up around four. Typically, they have to go bang on the door, mm-hmm. but this day he was outside waiting on them. So he goes to work. He says he stayed at work all day, but his coworkers say he left and was gone about four or five hours. So he gets on time, gets to work on time, and then leaves, and then comes back by 2.45. So he's called back in for more questioning, and he says, oh, yeah, I did leave and go to another job site. So Andy does construction, like drywall and shit like that. He says he went to get some Coke. Not the kind you drink, the kind (sighs) you snort. And he said he was only gone for about an hour. He also told the police he had his had left a cell phone at home that night, which is why he didn't call anybody and let him know he was leaving. So the police are like, well, we can't trace his cell phone now if it was at home. So they have nothing to go on. They start asking if any businesses in the area have cameras that may have captured him leaving because they don't even know which direction he went yeah. when he left. So the Hedgeville High School cameras show him leaving. Now they have a time and a direction. The bank camera shows him in his truck headed towards Berkeley Springs. And a Murphy's gas station picks him up, paying for fuel very quickly, almost like he was in a hurry. Riley's boyfriend is brought in for questioning, and he tells police that Riley had been texting him and FaceTiming him that night. The first message was sent around 11 o'clock, and after 12 minutes... She messaged him about being scared. She said, he's in my room. Mm. Don't say anything about it so he can't hear you. So they were on FaceTime. She says, I'm scared, babe. Hayden's on a school trip, her boyfriend. And eventually they hang up. He thinks everything's fine. But when he wakes up, he has a missed FaceTime call from her around 5 a.m. So at this point, the blood tests come back. And Riley's DNA was on the sheets and the pillow, and it was blood mixed with saliva. And by looking at the pillow, it appears her face was forced down because it was like two bloody nostril prints and like a big smear of blood, like maybe where her mouth was. Oh, gosh. Police are like, yeah, the mom's boyfriend definitely killed her, but we don't know where the body is. We don't know why he did it. We We don't know anything. We just have very strong suspicions that it's him. They suspect that he killed her. And when he left work, he came and picked her body up and then disposed of it. So they impound his truck to check it out, see what's going on. They bring in a cadaver dog to search the truck. And inside the truck bed, he hits on something. He goes all over and gives his trainer signals of decomposition. But they still don't know where she's at. Randomly, one of the police officers stops by this little stop and rob that he always stops by, a little gas station. And he happens to ask them, do you guys have like CCTV footage of cameras that outside your building, you know, that face the road? And they're like, yeah, we do. Smart. So they pull it. He looks at it. And jackpot, it shows his truck Mm -hmm. heading up the mountain and then 20 minutes later coming back down. So police get a team and head over to investigate with cadaver dogs. They notice a group of vultures flying around a wooded area, and this is where they found her body. 
The West Virginia Natural Resource Police find her deceased body at the 5500 block of Tuscarora Pike. The exact cause of death could not be determined from her autopsy. Her body was found in an advanced state of decomp eight days after she had gone missing. Man. And this was following the extensive search that included helicopters and over 300 volunteers. Her body was found over an embankment. She was wearing one shoe. The other shoe was found in the trash bag with her body. Mm. She had on red underwear and blue jean shorts that weren't buttoned or zipped. And they identified her through her dental records. First Deputy Chief Medical Examiner said that the 15-year-old's death was due to homicide by unspecified means. On November 4th, 2021, 43-year-old Andy McCauley was sentenced to two life sentences with no possibility of parole. He was convicted of concealment of a body and death of a child by a custodian by child abuse. The trial lasted just over a week and involved 239 pieces of evidence and testimony from about three dozen people, including her family members, friends, DNA experts, doctors, and law enforcement. One of the most chilling pieces of evidence was the jury was shown screenshots of the messages that Riley had sent her boyfriend the night before that said he was, Andy was in her room and that she was scared. Oh, God. Which makes you think that probably wasn't the first time. No, probably not. That he had What been, a creep. Yeah. So the prosecution showed the jury evidence of roofing screws from a Pennsylvania manufacturer that were being used on a project that Andy was working on. And those screws were also found on the road uphill from where her body was found. Drywall mud had been spilled out in the back of his truck and was also found on Riley's body. During the sentencing, prosecutors pointed out that Andy knew exactly where Riley's body was while he and the community searched for her. So he helped them. That's messed up. Look for her. So police think he went into Riley's room to assault her and she fought back and he suffocated her with a pillow. Like sexually or just? It just says assault, but I'm assuming that's what it means. What else would his motive be? Yeah. But if it hadn't been for those cameras, it would have been really hard. Yeah, for sure. For someone to prove, A, that he did it and even harder for them to find her body. Yeah. And you know... Her mother has so much guilt for bringing this man, not only in their lives, but into their home. I wonder if he had ever done anything creepy, not necessarily to her daughter, but like just in general. I mean, he had multiple arrests before this, but it was for drug charges and, and things like that. Nothing. Yeah. So you can watch this, um case on murder in the heartland oh that's season, a good show season six episode five called something happened to her it's really that's always a sad show it's but so it's sad, well but done it's, it's very well done it's, it's not really good cheesy like a lot of them are. right oh so. gosh how senseless yeah I'm sad just 15 15 mm. i mean oh, and i mean we'll show pictures and stuff just a beautiful young girl whole life ahead mm-hmm and this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. What's your story? Tell us yours. Well, mine was actually recommended by a listener named Brianna W. She actually emailed us last year about it, but, you know. You had a baby. So this case hasn't gotten a lot of coverage, she said. 
and I figured I'd check it out, so I did. Angela Sharice Gwynn was born on June 27, 1970, but everyone called her by her middle name, Sharice. She was voted best dressed in high school and was an outgoing majorette. We were just talking about majorettes, weren't we? No, that was color guard. What, color what, what guard. were we talking about? What's yeah. the difference between that and a majorette? A majorette's twirls a baton. A color guard has a flag. Oh, I don't know the ins and outs. Did they have that at your school? No? I don't know. I don't remember. You would remember. We probably did have some flags. I don't know. Maybe. I think the band does that. I truly don't know. Anyway. That's, anyway, yeah. (laughs) After graduating high school, Sharice began working at Spartan Sporting Goods at the Crossroads Mall in Beckley, West Virginia. On Halloween of 1991, Sharice was at work and dressed up as Dolly Parton. Come on, Dolly. Yeah, she had big blonde hair. So oh, you're going to say something else. And then, <laughs> I don't know about the other stuff. But, she, you know, that to give you a sense of what she looked like, beautiful big blonde hair. Well, a man named Norman Stevens was there making a delivery, and Sharice caught his eye. I wonder why. <laughs> this makes me think of that episode of Friends where Monica works in that diner. Did you, did you watch Friends? I watched Friends, but I just once. She I took don't a remember. job. You've just watched Friends once? Yeah, and only a few years ago. Oh, it's boy. just to w- watch it. I don't know. I never. Was... Anyways, there's a, she works in a, like a 50s sock hop diner and you have to dress up and she has to wear. Oh, like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. She has to wear prosthetic yeah. things. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I don't know if she was wearing prosthetics or not. Probably not. But one thing led to another, and the two began a whirlwind romance. Just seven months after they met, they got married. Whoa. After meeting, not after dating, meeting, period. They got a small house in Bolt, West Virginia, on Harmony Lane. This house was on a 98-acre farm that belonged to Norman's family. I can't even imagine how big that is. It's big. 98 acres. A lot. After the two settled down, Charisse began to withdraw from her friends. No one knows why. Maybe it was because she was a busy newlywed, lived on a big farm, or something darker. We don't know. She also quit her job within the year and dropped out of college. And she didn't have children. They didn't have kids. So not a whole lot is known about what went on in their relationship. But since Charisse had distanced herself from others. No one really knew what the issue was. But in the fall of 1993, Charisse called her best friend and told her that she and Norman had a big argument. We don't know what it was about, but she asked if she could move in with her best friend while they straightened things out. Her friend said, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. That very night, her friend got the call asking her if she knew where Charisse was. Charisse disappeared on October 1st, 1993, at the age of 23 years old. So according to Norman, Charisse drove him to work on George Street in Beckley in the couple's 1993 white Dodge Daytona, but she never showed up to give him a ride home. He said he had to catch a ride with a co-worker, but did not tell police who this person was. And why didn't police... Ask him or push for that and get... You can't just say, I'm not telling. Yeah, they didn't push for him to give him a name. I mean, 
You need an alibi, right? We've literally seen videos of police strong arming and right. beating the shit out of people to get an answer. But oh, you don't want to tell us? Okay, good enough. Thanks. For real, You're, you go on. And we never find out who it was. Oh my god, no. So allegedly, Sharice called them later that day from an out-of-state location and said she wasn't coming back. He told Sharice's mom on the phone Sharice had left him and he didn't know where she was. So all was fine. She drops him off at work and then she's like, I'm leaving you, but and calls him to tell him she's leaving him. Mm. You know what I mean? That part's weird. It's like, I don't know. She's going to call you to tell you. It's over. Just leave. Just leave. Or tell him and then... Uh, Don't wake up early and drive him to work. Oh, (laughs) you know. Oh, God. People break up different ways. Yeah, that is true. We've seen it in our friend group. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So he said he had no idea where she was, but the call was out of state. And Sharice's 1993 white Dodge Daytona also vanished, which is odd because that was his car, too. It vanished for only a month. It mysteriously reappeared in the parking lot of the UPS store on Georgia Street in Beckley, where Norman worked. So, in his own work parking lot, it returns. Hmm. Yeah. No. Norman said that someone had placed the keys over the sun visor. That's so nice of them, you know? (laughs) They just need... They stole it and brought it back. They wanted a month-long joyride. They're like, here you go. He sold the car later that month. Again, the police didn't search it or take it in for anything. So Norman never reported Sharice's missing. And on September 12th, 1994, nearly a year later, the family reported her disappearance to the authorities. I'm guessing it's because in the beginning they thought maybe she did just leave Norman and wanted to get away. Yeah. But then as time went on, they got more and more worried like, No, she would call us. She would let us know where she was. She was a daddy's girl. She was close with her family. She would call somebody and vent or... She wouldn't just ditch all of her family members. And she didn't have a bad relationship with them. So her dad, Tom Gwynn Sr., searched for Sharice, hired investigators, and put up flyers alongside her brother, Tommy. According to a private investigator hired by Tom, she may not have dropped Norman off at work. The investigator found evidence that Norman may not have even worked on the day Sharice disappeared. What this evidence is, it's a secret, but he found something out. But I don't think he ever figured out who that guy was, but it's probably because no one actually drove him home, of course, you know. Neighbors near Harmony Lane allege they saw Sharice on the day she disappeared with a relative of Norman's and that he was escorting her with his hand on her arm, which is kind of creepy. Norman ended up filing for divorce on October 27, 1993, barely a month after her disappearance. The divorce was final on Valentine's Day of 1994, and he moved by September that same year. So he was quick to get it done. I didn't really know you could file for divorce. Like, I didn't know you could get a divorce if someone's missing. They can't well, sign the I papers. Would, how you know long what was I mean? it again? A month later. A month after she went missing. So we know she never signed papers. But it's it, it seems to me like, I mean, how I'm do sure. you even know she's missing if it's only been a month? You just haven't found her. Well, he was saying... You know what I mean? Like, she could have moved to California and just wasn't... 
Right. Kind of went off the grid, but you're not technically, you know what yeah. I mean? Like a missing person. Like you're not. Mm-hmm. Well, he was saying she just left him and he didn't know where she was. You still have to but be served. Yeah. You have to get signatures, right? I mean, I'm sure yeah. after a certain amount of time, maybe. I don't think it's like. But not a month not later. Not a month. No. Like, no, no. You can't just. Divorces aren't finalized in a month when you do have oh, a signature. I know. It's so. just weird. I know it was the early 90s, but I'm like, what I mean, is going like, on here? I feel like when I got divorced, I had the papers for over a month before I signed them. Yeah. I mean, you have attorneys look them That's over. That's what I was going to say. Not for any reason other than yeah. everybody's trying to get their checks and balances and their ducks in a row before we sign a legal fucking document. Right. Crazy. So the police asked Norman if he would take a lie detector test, and he refused and hired an attorney. Police entered her name into the National Crime Information Center in Washington, And police searches and private searches by the Gwynn family have shown no trace of Cherise having paid taxes, worked, or going to a hospital. So she has absolutely no paper trail out there. On April 5th, 1997, the Gwynn family asked the West Virginia State Police to take over the investigation. Troopers searched the residence in the adjoining farm. The troopers asked Norman to take a polygraph. And again, he refused. It's like, is this your only thing you're going after are polygraphs, you know? Mm-hmm. You didn't take in the car. You didn't ask for the friend's name. You're just wanting lie detector tests. Anyway, it's probably when they were big. Early 90s, they're like, oh yeah, this is how we nail them. Near the Stevens home and family property is a church. The Breckenridge Missionary Baptist Church. During the time of Sharice's disappearance, there was some construction going on there, and an old septic tank was blacktopped over and is now part of the church's parking lot. The Gwynn family made efforts to try to get authorities to search the church's property, but the church did not want to cooperate. The Gwynn family even offered to pay for all the work and repairs. Basically, They wanted authorities to dig up the section, you know, that was Mm blacktopped on the parking lot, pump out the new septic tank, and see if anything was there, because it was open during that time. And it just seems odd that a church would refuse this. Very odd. They're not losing money. It'll be repaired. Mm -hmm. But turns out some of Norman's family members are members of the church, and some are involved in leadership roles. They said... The church said if they wanted to dig, they needed a warrant. I mean, they were probably advised that by the I mean, it's their their right, sure, yeah. but it's still like, geez. But without probable cause, they couldn't get a warrant. So, you know, mm-hmm. questions quickly spread throughout the area as to why the church would refuse. Lifetime resident Eddie Lester, who lived next door to the church at the time, allowed authorities to pump out his septic tank. And when asked what he thought about the church's refusal, he said, sure looks suspicious to me. Another resident named Freddie, they're all all these residents, Eddie, Freddie, (laughs) I don't know. Freddie said there were at least two other deaths close by the church. In 1957, a teen boy named Leon Stevens was found dead in a small pond of water behind the church property. (sighs) His school books were found at the pond beside his neatly folded clothes. They speculated he wanted to go swimming and somehow maybe experienced leg cramps or something and drowned, which is possible. The water was approximately five feet deep. 
I don't know. I mean, I it could dr- happen I for sure. If you're, having, if you're having a leg cramp, you know. Well, Leon was the grandson of Deacon Jake Stevens, so a relative of Norman's. In 1971, another woman named Joanne Honecker disappeared from the exact same area. There were numerous searches, but she was never found. Her husband, Dennis Dvorak, told people she had run off toward Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know what made him think of that. That's a good destination. He said he allegedly went to Ohio to look for her for a few days, but did not find her. Then her body was found propped up beside a tree near the cemetery in Breckenridge Church. The search party had canvassed that area just the day before. Her body was not there, so it was after the fact. There's a lot of rumors in the area, which isn't unusual with disappearances in a small town. The Gwynn family keeps hanging up posters of Charisse, and witnesses allege that the Stevens family are tearing them down. This is just hearsay, but there's also a rumor that Charisse was actually last seen with the church leader Tom Harmon. Neighbors allege that this was the man that was escorting Charisse. You know, the the guy that had his arm around her. And then reports surfaced that Norman's grandmother knew what actually happened, but refused to answer deputies' questions with anything helpful. See? Again, another rumor. What? I don't know. From 1993 through May 2014, Charisse was categorized as a missing person, but on May 6, 2014, the Gwynn family had Charisse declared legally dead. So now the case is a homicide investigation instead of a missing person, so it's more serious for the investigators. So they were finally able to search the church's property in September 2017, and they accessed the old septic tank, but they could not find any clues. Regardless, her brother Tommy said he's not giving up. He says that he feels like they've only scratched the surface and he is dedicated to finding his sister. I guess I just don't know enough about septic tanks. They're not that big, are they? I mean, I know they're big, but I were they thinking that they were that her body was in there, like her body was hidden in it? But you would have to dig up the ground, take the top off the septic tank. It was open because of the construction, so it was already open. Like someone could throw her in there, seal it up, cover it up, and then they were blacktopping over it and making a parking lot. So so then they wouldn't like. Yeah, that's true. They wouldn't. uh, Yeah, you're right. Kind of, but you know. septic tanks get full and need pump. That's why you can't flush tampons. Yeah. I don't know. If a tampon well, it was will a, fuck up a septic it tank, was the I'm old, sure a body would. No, it was the old septic tank, so it wasn't being used. Okay. I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't. I don't think I made that clear. So there were two, se- a, they had a new okay. tank. Yeah. This was, was an like, old one. Something? That's why they were black topping okay. over it and whatever. They didn't okay. need to use it. So that's. Thank the you. perfect place to <laughs> it really is. hide a body, but when they dug it up, there was, nothing. there was nothing there. So, I don't know. But Charisse's father, Tom, passed away on March 5th, 2008, without knowing the fate of his daughter. He has been quoted as saying, when I enter heaven, I'll know what happened to her. Oh, that's sad. I know. The Gwynn family is offering a cash reward of up to $5,000 for information that leads to an arrest in the homicide of Charisse. Her aunt said that being able to bury her remains would put their family at peace. They don't think 
well, I don't want to say no one thinks, but it, they feel like something bad happened and they want her remains, which I understand. Her brother Tommy said, having justice to whoever did whatever they did to her and took her away from us and closure, which we will never have 100% of, but at least we will know exactly what happened and that's our main goal. So if anyone out there has any information on this case, please contact Crime Stoppers at 304-255-STOP. And Brianna, who recommended this case, said her mom and aunt went to school with Sharice. Oh my gosh. And knew her back then. And um, Brianna is from the same town. So that's how she knew about it. Yeah, it is. Missing persons cases are just, they're always terrible. It's wild that there are so many, sounds dark, but bodies to be found. We're not just finding them constantly. Yeah. It's awful to think so many people out there have loved ones who just disappeared into thin air. Right. I mean, they didn't. Something happened to them. But just to think that, like, your sister will or brother may just be gone. Yeah. Any answer is better than no answer. The finality of something is better than nothing. Yeah. (sighs) Anyways, that's terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we've been snowed in and miserable, everybody. This This is the first person. Lacey's the first person I've seen since Sunday. You're the first person other than Samuel and my baby and delivery men and plumbers. I didn't didn't count Max or Wendy, my dog. Yeah. Well, oh, my God. So, I didn't even talk to you last week, so let's go back. We had a tornado warning. Oh, yeah. Did that get to you, too? Yeah, but I was asleep. (sighs) It's 12.30 a.m. The baby's asleep, finally. The alarms go off. We're in our shelter. I'm holding the baby. He slept through it. Where do you go? Under your stairs? Under our stairs. That's why all that crap's in our hallway. I didn't pay attention. I keep telling Samuel, stop putting all that there. Because then you have to take it all out. to take it all out. Yeah, we don't have time for that. I'm like, listen, we get under there too often. Now. There's too many tornadoes tornadoes. in Arkansas. We need this space clear. Were you freaking out? Yes, because of last year. You know what I mean? Was it a different type of anxiety now that you have a baby physically outside your yeah, body. Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, not a, not again. Thank God he slept through Oh it. yeah, he just slept. And then when I went to put him down, he woke up, was awake all night. I got zero hours of sleep for the first time, like zero. It was awful. And then we get a snowstorm. I forgot to mention that day of the tornado warning, it was 60 degrees. Uh-huh. A few days later, it's below freezing that's why I'm all congested. Snowstorm. I'm done with it. I'm done with winter. This is Arkansas, folks. I'm done with winter. I'm over it. Summers are hot. Winters are cold. There's ice. Tornadoes. I'm <sighs> congested. My eyebrows need waxed. Boo, winter. Oh my gosh. Done with it. Done with it. I've eaten so much cheese dip. I will probably never. I've eaten a lot of cheese dip, Everybody too. I've talked to has been like, oh, my God, Rotel? the cheese dip. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to poop again. I'm going to be like, oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I did try a new recipe that I found on Instagram. Um, mm. I bought all the shit, made it. It was awful. But really? I, and I made a whole crock pot. How can pot. you make it bad? I made a whole crock pot full of it. So I was like, well, I'm going to force myself to eat this. What because was it? It doesn't sound awful when I tell you, but when I ate it, I was like, Duh. zero stars. Hmm. It was like, 
in a crock pot, you put like marinara sauce and Alfredo sauce and chicken and then all these spices like red pepper mm-hmm. flakes, onion powder, garlic. It sounds amazing, right? Mm. Cook the chicken, shred it, uh-huh. boil like they used egg noodles. So I bought egg noodles and uh-huh. used it. So boil them while the ch- I'm shredding the chicken, yeah. dump it in their crock pot all together with, and then you put like mozzarella cheese and stir it all mm-hmm. up. Sounds delish. Looks amazing. It's not good. Maybe it's the combo of spices. I don't think, I think it was the egg noodles. I think if I would have just shredded the chicken and poured it like over like spaghetti noodles yeah. and ate it more like spaghetti instead yeah. of kind of like a goulashy, yeah. then it would have been better. Yeah, that's true. I don't love shredded chicken. I don't know why. There's like I, there's something about it. I like it in things like in a recipe. It doesn't bother yeah. me. But yeah, like if it's enchiladas, that's yeah. different. But Or like taco soup or something mm-hmm. or chicken enchilada soup, something like that. But yeah, I think the egg noodles fucked it all up. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I wasted all this food. <sighs> that sucks. I, I didn't throw it out until I watched the weather and was like, if I get snowed in, I'm going to eat this. Yeah, desperate times. We were really strapped for food. We... Walmart delivery wasn't going to come. I, we weren't driving anywhere. And you know the people up north are laughing their asses off at us. Listen, we, we're not prepared for it. We're really not. Our roads did not get scraped or... No one's been to do anything. I mean, our interstates are, but like... Yeah, no one's roads, prepared. Terrible. <sighs> and this is the coldest it's been in forever. So it's nothing's melting. Yeah. And if it does melt, it just refreezes. Yeah, so it's just it's, like a snake eating a snake. It's a mess. It was I, pretty at first. No, I hate, I hate any winter weather. I don't, it blows my <laughs> fucking mind. And don't come for me, people in towns that skiing is your lifeline to the economy. But I will never understand why people pack suitcases Spend money on plane tickets See, and fly. I do like to ski. No, fuck that. I don't want to be outside in this shit. It's, it gets muddy. It's cold. It's wet. It's not good. We went through this last week. I hate well, it all. Okay, so the difference is, and I will say, I feel like in the on the East Coast, it gets a little wetter, more wet. But in like Colorado, when I've skied, it's powdery snow. Nope. It's not like it's mushy. Nope. The sun shining. No. The mountains. I don't know. Don't love it. It's, I like skiing. Good for you. This is not (laughs) the winter weather. Like Arkansas, there's nothing to do here. I turn into Jack Nicholson from The Shining. When the second it gets cold and I can't go anywhere, I'm going to bust through doors with axes. Um, I'm pissed off. My hair's flaring. Well, that I have a sweater on. <laughs> that Just, reminds me. No. So I'm still watching The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And? I'm on season two now. Okay. Well, it's always snowy when they're filming there and they're shoveling their driveways. I can't. I shoveled my driveway yesterday. Ugh. I feel like I have cracked fucking ribs because I'm that out of shape. It's like I have pulled I muscles. couldn't live that life. I don't have a shovel. So I was out there. Like a peasant with my <laughs> dustpan. Well, I was shocked. It worked. I was shocked that Jen Shaw's husband was shoveling their own Girl, chalet. Don't get me started on Jen Shaw. We'll, we'll have to circle back around when you get more into it. Uh, the skiing I get, it's fun. But the other activities they do together, mm-hmm. like the ice fishing. No. All their outings. What else are they going to do? Oh, my gosh. Go vacation. They haven't done any trips 
Well, do they do trips? They don't until this season. Oh, okay. Because I was like, they don't leave no. this area. Like, other housewives are always bebopping around. Other housewives are like Sonia and Luann, and they're just like tits out in Miami. Yeah. And, and I'm like, if I lived in the middle of Utah, I'd be vacationing elsewhere a lot. I don't know. No why. offense, Utah. It looks beautiful, but it's just I don't know cold. why. Maybe it's because they're Mormon. Well, I don't know. I don't even know. They're very but I Mormon, Mormon adjacent. vacation. <laughs> no, I mean, like, people, Mormons don't come for us. We don't fucking know. We're not Mormons. <laughs> We're not being negative. Mormons don't vacation. We no. just don't know. No, no. no. I, th- I think they do vacation. No, no, no. I'm sure that Mormons do. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I can't say that either. <laughs> okay. We're going to get right. Sure, we are Mormon and we do vacation. I'm sure that... That Mormons do. I know Mormons who vacation. Several of the doctors I work with <laughs> are vacationing, are vacationing Mormons. Mormons. So I know it happens. But I think what I meant, Jesus, was I think that there may be something with their contract. I don't fucking know. But they don't. They never go on a vacation or a trip mm. that's not like drivable or mm. like a two-hour plane ride. Very, very close to Utah. Do they have a lot of kids? No. Oh, okay. I think the most they have is like one has three. Oh, okay. Uh, the rest of them have like one or two. Yeah, I don't know. But this season they go on trips to like the Bahamas mm. and California, I think, which still isn't super far from Utah, but. No, not really. Anyway. If you're Mormon, geez, where do you not vacation? Not listening to us. They've stopped a long they're time stopped. ago. They've oh, stopped. boy. But. It's an interesting show. I like it so far. It's so good. I'm, I don't know. I'm really liking Heather. I'm going to be honest I love with Heather. you. The moment she pulls a churro out of that fire, I'm like, that's me. Heather's Do one not of my favorites. Wait, waste a churro. Heather's one of my favorites. She's always like ordering the food. She's That's she her priority care. is food she doesn't care. and drinks. I love it. I love like, her. I think she's great. She's my favorite. She wrote a book called Bad Mormon. Oh. And it's all about her I'll have to read that. leaving the church. Hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, gosh, they do write letters and kick yeah, people out. That's for sure. So, do Catholics get letters when they're kicked out, or Catholics don't get kicked out, girl? You don't get so like if you're lapsed. What does that mean? You're just not practicing. So, you're thanks not, for calling me out. No, I'm just saying like that d- doesn't mean kicked out to me. But lapsed means I don't participate as far as like I. Don't regularly go to mass. I don't belong to a church. Okay, but I like don't they would be like, com- you're I don't good take to come back anytime. Yeah, 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 I haven't taken communion in years or done confession. Mm-hmm. I haven't done any of those things. Okay. Also divorced, so all red flags. <laughs> but I'm not excommunicated. Do they? From Catholicism. Do they do that? Excommunicate people? No, I can't get married in a Catholic church hmm. ever again unless I get my first marriage annulled. But no. like literally the archdiocese had oh, to gosh. sign off on it. I'm like, I don't love anybody that much to go through all that trouble. Let's just get married. Lacey can marry us. Jake can marry us, our friend. It's so he's, done, he's yeah, he's, he's, he's ordained. Reverend. And, <laughs> I know two ordained priests. If I ever get I married, we'll just go up here to Bernie's Gardens with all the unhoused people and and the the flea markets and all my friends can just come wear what you want. Lacey uh, would wear yeah. a baby strap to her. I've actually considered getting 
ordained ordained so that I can get the title because I have a friend who gets mail and it says reverend in her name. Lacey, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm married. No, No, I'm just joking. She's, can we just say she's weird? I can't talk about her right now. She is a little bit of a wackadoo. I'm just too congested. If you don't watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, please do. And send me all your opinions. Mary makes me rage. She's so fucking rude. (laughs) She's a mess. She is so... I would love to see her and Teresa Judice. Oh, Teresa would eat her alive. Or even even Dorinda. Oh, I love Dorinda. I would love her and Dorinda. Dorinda's so messy, but I I love Dorinda. I love Dorinda so much. Or, um, oh, what's her name? She's also on New Jersey. She's one of my favorites. Dolores. Oh, Dolores. Please, somebody. All together. Oh, for sure. Just wait. The seasons go on. She gets meaner and meaner and nastier and nastier. Okay. Right now, she's just weird, I would say. She stays weird. (laughs) And not in a good way. I'm weird, but everyone's weird. But, oh, yeah, we have patrons. (laughs) Oh, oh, shit. Let's talk (laughs) about We're busy talking about vacationing Mormons and housewives. But I can't remember. And I didn't listen to the end, but did we shout out Amy R? Amy? I'm going to do it again. Thank you, Amy. She's from California. Oh. She told us her address, so we're sending sending her stickers. And she mentioned she has a spooky story. And I told her she needs to write that sucker in. And Linda B. from last week, I think we guessed she was from Arkansas or Oklahoma. She's from Maryland. Oh, we were well. <laughs> she says she appreciates how you call Max your baby because her kids are 9, 14, and 15, and she makes fun of them for calling them babies. Uh-uh. She'll, he'll always be my baby. <laughs> I don't care if he's 35. And Leah Michelle bought us a couple of cocktails, and she said congratulations on the new edition. Thank you, Leah. That's very sweet. We'll have yeah. to have another mom's night out. Yeah, we will. Did we talk? We went out. We, we went, went out. Post-baby for Lacey, the first time. Lacey went out. We West. saw a band. It was really fun. I liked their moves. Were you tired when you got home? She left us early. I didn't leave much longer after Yeah, so I left. I, You know, I'd been popping in and seeing the I baby. I stay very much longer. Right. I just sounded like I just threw a bunch <laughs> of words out of my I mouth. Knew what you meant. <laughs> so I got home right as Anders was waking up from his first stint. Samuel was in bed, so it was my turn. I'm like, oh, okay, good timing. Yeah. I just went in there and took care of him or whatever. And he's been, he's so sweet, but he's a mess. He cries all the time. But I caved and we got a snoo. And we've only experienced one night with it. But he slept. Like four eight hours, hours, woke up, fed him, changed his diaper. He slept another four hours. This thing is amazing. That's insane. Like, it's literally been, he only sleeps an hour a ha- and a half tops at night. Like, he wakes up eight times. I don't even know. You Constantly. should have bought this seven weeks ago. I know. It's so expensive. We found it on eBay used, and it was like half How the price. How long did it take it to get here? Not soon enough. Samuel emailed them begging them to send it sooner. <laughs> But because of the storm, mm-hmm. that was delayed. So it took like four days. We were looking at that tracking like, come on, come on, come on. And it got here and you just like zoomed and put it together. Last night, yeah. It got here last night and we were so excited. My appointment went well. I don't think I... Yeah, you did. Did I talk about that? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, all is well. <laughs> she said, quote, it looks normal. And I'm like, 
okay, oh, not spectacular, not, not nothing, <laughs> not wonderful. It looks beautiful. I'm like, you didn't see it before. You don't know what normal is. <laughs> you didn't see it before. Like, you can't tell me it's normal. You don't know what my normal is. Oh, God, that's funny. I'm like, finally, just one female doctor. It wasn't like 20 oh med God. students in the room with me. I'm like, where's your posse? No shit. Where's the, <laughs> where's where's the rest of the posse? band? <laughs> I like this doctor, though. She was keeping it Who real. Who was it? What's her name? You won't tell me on the air. She was talking about her sex life after oh, wow. she had a baby. Oh. She was just telling, she was talking about her tear. We were tear talking. Welcome to my tear talk. It's always better when you have someone that you can relate yeah. to. She was like, ooh, I had a second degree. I can't. Ew, no. Yeah. I don't have any tears. No tears. <laughs> she was nice, though. Well, I guess. Where are we next week? I have no idea. Oh, God. Hang on. You Let need to look. send me a pic of the Let me look. the format. These were shorter cases, so we were just shooting the breeze with you guys. Um, Maryland. Maryland. Okay. We're well, in Maryland. Linda B., we're coming for your state. Coming for you. And we have to record our Patreon next week. I have been looking at curses. Which is family curses. Yeah. So, uh, family curses. Join that. And I've got some ideas for February. Okay. I love I'll that. i talk to you about it and we need to decide. But Sounds good to me. Anyways, I have to go. You can stay and record if you want to, Lacey. <laughs> but. Nah. I need to refresh my drink. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.